It's time to find balance and be refreshed here on Every Heart, Every Woman. Every Heart, Every Woman. Get ready for uplifting music and inspiring interviews. Every Heart, Every Woman. Let's get motivated to move forward as we share our life experiences. Welcome to the show, everyone. My name is Carla Nibbins. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Before we jump into our interview for today, we're going to set the tone just like we always do with some music. This is Be Exalted. It is performed by my friend, David Lucky. Sit back and enjoy.
Welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. Our show is a program of Love Ministries, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can go to loveministriesbuilds.org to find out all of the great information about Love Ministries. And you can go to carlanivens.com to find out all the information about me. Well, let's jump into our interview. I'm very excited to welcome for the first time, Dr. Linda Mubarak. Dr. Linda is an Army veteran, award-winning author, and a retired special education teacher. She was an avid reader in elementary school. She listened to crime and mystery stories on the radio, but her love for books continued during her career in education. Her Stations for Kids book series promotes early literacy, community service, human compassion, and career exploration. Maxine's new job won the prestigious Henry Award for Excellence in the Children's Category by the 2018 Christian Literary Awards. Her books, Carver Park, Maxine's New Job, and Maxine Listens, received the Certified Good Read Awards from the Reading With Your Kids Foundation in 2018 and 2019. And her next book, Maxine's Hands, is already released. It was released earlier this year in 2020. Dr. Linda and Stations for Kids have established a lifetime partnership with the Community Food Bank of Fort Worth. So, Dr. Linda, man, it seems like you are always busy. Are you just busy every single day? I I try to be. I try <laughs> to be. Um, sometimes a bit too much, a bit too okay. much. Um, and it comes from probably working. Carla, I worked 47 years full time. I didn't always teach mm-hmm. school. I was also a clerk at the U.S. Post Office. So I think all of those things helped me, help bring me to the point that I am now. It, it you know, it take, it all comes together for you at some point. It does. Yes, it does. yes, yes, yes. I like that. Well, Dr. Linda, we are so excited that you are here. Um, we're, we're excited to welcome you for the first time to Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. And I want the first thing I'm kind of wondering is about your book series, uh, Stations for Kids. Can you give us kind of a little background, a little insight into your book series? Okay. Uh, Carla, my first book was called Stations. And I wrote it, it was released in 2017. And I named it after a conversation I had with my grandmother when I was about five years old. She said, Linda Faye, no two people in the world are at the same station in life. Your station is not like your friend's station. You can't compare. You can't look at hers. She can't look at yours. And she said, be very careful about who you make fun of, who you laugh at, because your station can change at a moment's notice. She also said, if you're in a certain station in life, you cannot move on until you learn everything you need to know where you are. If if that happens, if you're not learning, the lesson is relearn is relearned until the lesson it, the lesson is retaught until the lesson is learned. You repeat it. In other words, you repeat your errors until you get it straight. Then you move forward. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote the book, it's a book of essays, little thoughts and things that I had over the years. 
I thought about my grandmother because the book is broken up into things that you teach your kids about financial literacy, um, learning how to work with others on a job, taking care of your health. So I called it stations because every section in your life is like a different station. When I started writing the children's books, I said, you know what? I want to use my grandmother's word, but I want to change this. So I called the, the children's section stations for kids. Okay. And that's how I did that. I have the first book stations and everything that followed after then. I put it in a group and I call it my stations for kids series. The Maxine Hill series is made up of three books in that set. Okay. And her activity book will be released probably in another 30 days, but that's where it started. I was going to, first of all, I'm thinking you really are busy. Like your, your mind is going all the time. You have, yes, and is. you know, and, and it's great that you, that this started from a word that you received a long time ago. Yes. Um, and, and I love that you've taken the time to write this down and that wisdom is not lost. No, it can it's be not. Us for forever. No. And I need yeah. to tell you that I am, I'm 75. I, I released my first book when I was 71 after mm. I retired from teaching school. I had thought about this all my life. This is one of those things, Carla, you don't talk to anybody about. I knew when I was a kid, I wanted to become an author, but I never talked to anybody about it. Mm-hmm. And I have people who ask me now, well, Linda, why didn't you speak on it? I said, well, I didn't. You're a kid. You don't think you don't even know what you don't know. So I'll tell anybody now, if you have a child that has an interest or a hobby, do something to bring that on out. Don't sit on it like I did. When my father finally passed in 2015, then I said, okay, you've run out of excuses. You have run out of excuses. It's time to do this. And I did it. Mm -hmm. After all of you. After all of you. My husband tried to get me to write 25 years ago. I just looked at him and laughed. I said, I can't write a book. He said, yes, you can. And he told me, he said, what are you waiting on? But it's one of those things in life until you can see, nobody can see it for you, no matter what you're doing in life. You have to see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. it took my father's death for me to go ahead and do what I needed to do about writing books. Mm -hmm. And it worked. It's working out for him. It's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. Mm-hmm. I can imagine you as a teacher, uh, just from hearing you talk right now and, and the wisdom that you um, speak with, I can imagine that your students um, grew so much as a result of being with you for for a year. And I can imagine that probably parents tried to make sure that their children were in your class. <laughs> Well, I I hope so. I did. I tried to do instruction and mix it with a life story because uh, personal literacy, financial literacy, you can read, you can be the greatest reader in the world. You can have 20 degrees certifications, but you still need to know how to get along with other people. And you need to have that Mm -hmm. community piece in you. If not, it throws it throws you off balance. You don't know who you are and you need to know how you fit in the world. Because we are a global community, whether you like it or not, or whether you want to admit it or not, you are part of a group that takes that is circle all the way around the world. Everything is connected. Mm-hmm. If the stock market goes down in Tokyo, it's going down here in Fort Worth, Texas. Everything mm-hmm. is connected. Mm-hmm. And I think with the advent of technology, 
I'm not that I think I know. Things change with kids and with adults. I'm sitting here, I'm holding a handheld device. Many times when the technology is so strong, you sort of kind of lose contact with your fellow man. Of course, with the virus, everybody is slowly reconnecting mm-hmm. by hook or crook. I mean, you can't get away from it now. <laughs> right. But you got you got to deal with your people directly by, you know, by everything that you have that's technical, because in some cases, that's the only way that you can. Right. But I think when children are growing up, even adults, as you mature, you have to have a connection with your fellow man or you there's a piece of you that's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, social, emotional growth and development is very good. I've met people with several degrees. They couldn't hold a job. But mm-hmm. I said, you've got a degree in this. You've got a master's in that. You've got all these certifications. And I'll say, well, what happened to you? Oh, Linda, you know, they upset me. I said, but that's what you said six months ago on the last job. Mm-hmm. So there's a piece of you that needs to be connected. And that's why I make sure that all of my books have some type of human connection in there. Human compassion, yes. sympathy, empathy. You need to be able to connect with your fellow man. I don't care how smart you are. You need that. You need that link. Mm-hmm. You need that link. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, Dr. Linda, can you tell us how the the characters in your book, um, how do they how do they have you design the characters to help children or students with uh, literacy with with their literacy issues? Well, what you have to do is find a you have to find a thing that will make sense to the kid. Mm hmm. If you have a child that has a hobby that likes, for instance, tennis, what you're going to do as a parent is try to find every book that's written on tennis for that kid. Boy, girl, man, want the videos, go to the store, order online, get all of it. Find a theme that hooks in with your child. Now, when I get ready to write, I tell people the characters speak to me. When you write books, your characters talk to you. Um. My first book that I really enjoyed for writing for a kid was Maxine's New Job. Mm -hmm. Maxine is all upset. She can't figure out what's wrong with her neighbor next door. She's told her mother, she says, you know, she's just strange. She's strange. Mom, she says, I have told you, stop being nosy. Sometimes when people are talking to you, they have other things on their mind. And as time goes by, she she asked her, Mrs. Uh, Sullivan, she said, I want you to come to my open house at school. So I'm going to leave you this flyer. So she comes back the next day. She gets off the bus. She says, Mrs. Sullivan, did you read the flyer? You know what time you're supposed to be there tomorrow? And Miss Sullivan starts saying, oh, well, you know, I didn't really have time to read it. I'm doing this thing for my uh, niece's baby, and I'll be finished with this crochet in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So the next day she went by. She talks to Mrs. Sullivan, and Mrs. Sullivan begins to cry, and she says, I did not. I did not read it to you because I cannot read. I grew up in a small town. I married early. Nobody cared if we finished school. She said, if you have this, this, she called it a disease. It's not a, dyslexia is not a disease. It's a condition. She said, it affects your right to vote. You will never have a driver's license. You cannot read a doctor's prescription. You will always have someone else to go to the store with you to make sure you're buying the right amount of anything. 
So she mm-hmm. tells her, she said, don't worry, Mrs. Sullivan, don't cry. You are going to be my student. I'm going to teach you to read. So that's Maxine's new job. But the whole book, the theme is dyslexia. Mm-hmm. And you teach kids what it's like, what how important it is to read. Reading is the key to literacy. Yeah. If you cannot read, you are you will be lacking in so many things. Mm-hmm. And I also explain in the book that people that are dyslexic, they compensate. Carla, you can be around people all your life in your family and you will never know that they mm-hmm. can't read. They mm-hmm. have way people have ways of camouflaging. You go by the house to visit. Oh, Carla, would you pick up that pick up that thing over there? You know, I'm so tired, girl. Why don't you read that to me? Mm-hmm. They want you to read it because they can't. I have been around people I've worked with for years. I found out 20 years later after I had retired, they couldn't read. They told me later. They compensate. They have ways to get by. So my first book was on, first uh, Maxine book was on dyslexia. The second one covers her dad who is losing his hearing. So that book is dedicated to deafness, sign language, and what happens when a family member has a change in health. Hmm. So each book that I've done, I try to lock it in something that kids need to know as a family member, as an adult, and ways that you can help that person. So every Maxine book has a person with a challenge. She's a reading detective. So she has to do reading and research and find out how she can help this person. So that's her, that's, that's all of her community service is in the book, is in the theme. Okay, okay. She learned sign language for a dad in Maxine Listen. Hmm. She learned what it was, it was like to teach a non-reader how to read in the first book. So I think, I think all characters speak to you. I'm in the middle of a crime story right now. This is so funny. I'm at the crime scene, Carla. I've got it all written. I'm on the page. I'm typing on my laptop and my brain went dead. It's like, okay, I'm at the crime scene. The detectives are in the room, Carla. The police commissioner is standing outside, the police reporters. My brain just shut down. And I've learned over the years when it shuts down, you have to wait until the characters tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. They will tell you. It may be six months later. It may be uh, maybe a year later. When I was writing uh, Maxine's Hands, the one that was released last month, I had a six month stall in that book. I didn't know I didn't know what she was going to do. So I had to wait until Maxine told me what she was going to do. I didn't know. So Mm -hmm. your character speak to you and then the theme slowly will come out about what you need to speak on. So that's that's usually the way I operate. And you can't rush it. You can't rush it. How it right, right, mm-hmm. right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's I'm an author myself, so I that that happens to me as well. You just you you have to you start, you kind of have something in mind, and then yep. you um you wait until it mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. really hits you and settles in right. your heart the direction and 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 then you you finish it out. Yeah. So Dr. Linda, right now. As you know, we're in COVID and so many of our students are um, at home and uh, doing school online. This has really crunched, you know, a lot of, put a lot of stress on a lot of teachers, oh, a lot yeah. of parents, and the students, mm-hmm. you know, and the students. And 
you know, I've, I've talked to so many teachers who are um, truly worried about their students this year, worried mm-hmm. that they are falling behind, um, worried that hopefully as we get everybody back into school that we'll need all of these different um, interventions just to catch everybody up. But I can imagine that your book series would help the the students. And so as parents are listening to this and they reach out and get your books and order your books, how do you suggest that, that they use them for their for their students at home? I would suggest that parents use my uh, books to teach social skills. I'm big on social skills. I, I've learned that from teaching special aid for so long. Mm-hmm. We're all, um, when I went back to school to get this last degree, um, I did a lot of my classes online and I went with my cohort uh, once a month. And I remember one thing that the professor told us. He said, Linda, we're all in a world now, and this is really more true now than it was then. We are all time-bound, Carla, and we are Mm place-bound. If you can't go to the university now, the university will come to you. And that was was going on before we had COVID. Now Mm -hmm. it's more so. So since you are place bound and your kids are not being able to intermix the so and the social piece, I know that I know that that is that's a tough because mm-hmm. a kid is not supposed to grow up in a house not dealing with anyone. They're supposed to mix with other kids. That's how you learn to get along with the world. I would ask parents to order my books online if you want to do an e copy and use it to teach a lesson, just go from page to page with your kid and sit down and say, okay, what, she, what, is, she, what is going on with Maxine? Why is she at the computer? Why does she need to go to the construction site? You know, at Maxine's hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is, what is, um, why are they building this house? What is, what, why is she there with her parents? Do you understand Habitat for Humanity? That's, that's a piece that's in the last book too. Mm-hmm. How, uh, a home is built for a family in need, and it works. It works out. Mm-hmm. But the whole group of people come together to volunteer without pay. Everything is donated, including the people's time, the garden, the roof, the the landscaping. Everything is just driven in and dropped off, and people go to work. Mm-hmm. Show them how other people get along in groups, not by a certain color or a certain religion. People raise their hands and say, I want to help. Show them how people work together. If they order Maxine Listens, uh, Maxine decided she was going to learn sign language because she knew sooner or later her dad's dad's hearing loss was going to be 100%. So then she started paying, she started talking to three kids she'd gone to school with since kindergarten. They were all deaf or hearing impaired. She never mixed with these kids. She walked over to the table one day and she says, I need to talk to you all. You're in my math class. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we know you. They said, sit down. What do you need to know? She says, I need for you to tell me everything about a hearing loss, how you lost your hearing, and what can I do? Mm-hmm. And they thought it was so fun that she had joined them because nobody dealt with the deaf kids except the deaf kids. Mm-hmm. 
And when she sat down and started to talk with them and they laughed at her and they said, oh, by the way, Maxine, we read lips. Maxine said, what? You're in fifth grade with me. So when I'm whispering to Oda Donna, they say, we know every word you say. (laughs) So, (laughs) So the lesson there is mix with other people, mix with other kids. And find out what they how they how they are like how they are like you. They have the same aspirations, inspirations. They want to go to college. They want to have families. She had never given that a second thought until she found out her dad was losing his hearing. Mm-hmm. So part of Maxine's research was to uh, eat every day with the three deaf kids in her class that she had ignored since kindergarten. Okay. So every book has a lesson for kids. Yes. I love that. I love that. That is something that we teach in our house every single day. And and now our our children are older. Our our first is um, in college, her first year in college. And I'm still saying that. How many, you know, kids did you meet? You know, mm-hmm. what what's going on in their lives? How mm-hmm. are their lives similar and different from yours? That that is wonderful. OK, Dr. Linda. So we're we're getting we need to take a break, but I have so many more questions for you. So let's take a break. We'll be right back. OK. All righty. Every Heart, Every Woman, the show where women find balance, peace, and inspiration. Now let's get back to the show with your host, Carla Nivens. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Carla Nivens. I am your host for the Every Heart, Every Woman radio show. We're having a great conversation with Dr. Linda Mubarak. Dr. Linda is an Army veteran and award-winning author and a retired special education teacher. She was an avid reader in elementary school, and she listened to crime and mystery stories on the radio. But her love for books continued during her career in education. And she's been telling us all about her books um that she has a stations for kids book series and she's been giving us all the information about how we can get these books and how we can uh help our children and how our children can even grow in their not only in their literary skills but also in their skills relating to other people so i'm so excited dr linda that you are joining us for the first time um i wanted to jump back into our conversation with you by um, talking about the uh, your books that help students explore different careers. Why is it important to you that our students nowadays are able to know the different careers that they can go into? Because the we, before I retired, and this is still going on now, teachers are now being told, and it's true, you are preparing kids for jobs that have not even been created yet. That's that's scary. That's almost scary. Mm-hmm. If that's not sci-fi, I don't know what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I told my friend, I said, you're teaching seventh graders. They've already told us 10 or 15 years ago that the average person will not be retiring. They will be changing jobs seven to eight times. Now, look, look what we, we're living in a sci-fi life now with the advent of the virus. Who knows where we'll be? 
Mm-hmm. So you need to know about your options. You need to know what your interests are. You know, you need to be multi-talented. You need to be multi-skilled if so, but you're going to have to know how to do, as my grandfather said, you're going to have to know how to do more than one thing. It, it's just, it's gotten down to that. Mm-hmm. You can, mm-hmm. you can know what you know, but you also need to know some more things. So your skill sets need to be in several layers. You need to be able to, um, work on teams with people. All of your teams now are going to be online, mm-hmm. international. So I tell all of my kids that I know, whatever you do, if you can, try to learn a second or third language. You can't, and you're going to be paid more. Right. You're going to be working with teams that around the world, zooming in just like I am. The person that you talk to may be from, from China. If you need to learn, if you need to learn Mandarin Chinese, learn it. If you need to, if you're talking with a team in Brazil, you're going to have to learn some Portuguese. Uh, if you're if you're talking with a team in Africa, in uh, maybe in West Africa, uh, in Senegal, you're going to have to learn French because they speak French there. Mm-hmm. So you need to know how to do more than one thing, and be and be open to all types of options because what was true. Even two years ago in the U.S. labor report, it's no longer true. It's changed. Right. The, the uh, diversity, um, all of the careers, all of the training, and most of, and probably everything that you will be learning is going to have to be done online because of the situation. We're in a health crisis right now. So everything that we have done in life has been turned upside down. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to adjust. Right. But your career, your career choices are going to be very, very different. They're going to be mm-hmm. high technical. We know that. But you also need to know some other skills. Right. I And, and you know, I can attest to that. My full time job is at a um, a worship leader for a church. And it it is a full time, you know, salary job with with benefits that didn't exist when I was going through school. Now you can get a degree in worship leading, in contemporary worship leading. But when I was in school, that didn't exist. And no, so it, did not. It, it, did not. It, was, it was all of the experience that my parents took us through in church and giving me the opportunity to write music and present them in church and all of those types of things. I feel like, you know, the things that prepared me for now, even for doing this radio show, I learned at home and not in my college education, I, I got did. I do have my degree, but, you know, I, I can attest to that. Things changed oh, so yeah. quickly. Yes, they do. So I like that. I like that. Let's talk about one of your books. Um, you even tackle segregation and social and historical issues in your book, Carver Park. Um, was that challenging to write those issues into a book for children? Well, what I did, Carla, I didn't tackle the civil rights issues. I uh, because the book is is written for kids maybe uh, grades three, three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. I know that if you come on too strong with that, you don't want to devastate a young mind. So what mm-hmm. I did, Carla, I concentrated on how I fell in love with reading at that time. I talk about having books in my room. Mm-hmm. I talk about uh, I talk about polio during the fifties. Mm-hmm. And how I was uh, put into an iron lung at the Waco State Fair. There are kids my age and your age, they have no idea what an iron lung is about. But it was very popular during um, 
the 1950s when the polio situation was going on in this country. I talk about how the nurses came to the school and the doctors and they vaccinated everyone in the country. Everyone in the country had to have a polio vaccination. I talk about mm -hmm. that. I talk about when my when I was a kid, my father took me to see the Harlem Globetrotters. They came through Waco, Texas every year. So I touched on some lighter things that they know, a little bit of historical things. But as far as the fire hoses and the police brutality, I didn't touch that. You don't need that that early. That's a little bit too soon. Mm -hmm. I talked mm -hmm. about how the Waco tornado came around to Waco in 50, 1953, and it destroyed part of the city and how the city had to rebuild. And that was, that was the first time I'd ever seen a Red Cross truck. So I, told him, I asked my dad, I said, what is that truck, daddy? He said, that's the Red Cross. They don't just help here, Linda. They go all over the world. So I talk, I talk about that. I don't put that piece in there. My grandfather was killed in that tornado. I didn't put that piece in there. Mm -hmm. So you talk about I talk about the things I learned as a child uh, uh, that helped me out as far as learning how to read. I tell him about when I was in third grade, my father, you know, he made all of my clothes. Mm -hmm. He came from World War, came out of World War Two and he went to a GI school. And I talk about Sputnik and how we saw the first the first satellite go up. Can you see this? Mm hmm. Yes. Sputnik picture Sputnik. Mm -hmm. I talk about that and how it shocked the United States because we realized then we needed to get, we needed to, you know, pick up our pace with the, with the space program. Right. So I tried to share some little simple things that kids would uh, like as far as how I get, got, how I got hooked into reading, but I did not touch the hot topics of, of the civil rest, civil okay. unrest. I didn't touch okay. that. No. Okay. Okay. I felt like that I like needs to be handled at I felt like that needs to be handled at a higher level than third grade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I like that. And and I'll tell everyone that you showed us a picture, um, one of the illustrations that um are in your book um of some children watching um Sputnik. Sputnik. And, yeah. And I will say that the illustrations in your book are wonderful. Um, I'll say they're multi-ethnic. And I, is, is that, is, is would that be accurate? Lung. This is the yes. And this is a picture of the iron lung. Okay. What I tried to do was, was explain it simple enough for a young child to understand mm -hmm. and uh, let them know that there, even though life was very different then, life was also good in its own way. In its own right. way. Mm -hmm. I talk about how my parents exposed me to reading. I was not allowed to go to the library, public library uh, in Waco, Texas. Mm -hmm. So my dad worked at the post office. He brought me magazines from, uh, from the post office and from the newsstand. My grandmother was a maid. So they asked her, what does Linda like? And they, she said she likes books. So they sent magazines home with my grandmother. So it was books, magazines and the radio. Mm -hmm. And I started listening to those radio shows, which I probably shouldn't have done, Carla, but I did in first <laughs> grade. I was listening to I was listening to murder stories, detective stories. I looked at Dragnet as a kid. I looked at all kinds of things. Charlie Chan was a he was a, he was an investigative uh, a reporter. Mm -hmm. I looked at all of those things that have to do with being a detective and I 
that was show that was shows like the Damon Runyon Theater. This is before your time. You don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, the Firestone Theater, Goodyear had a theater. All of these radio, all of these powerful companies had radio shows with stories in them, human stories, thrillers, some sci-fi. Some sci-fi mm-hmm. was there, mm-hmm. but that's how I fell in love with reading because you didn't have anything to show you a picture. You had to sit and listen to this radio show and your mind had to create that. Your mind was the graphic. Your mind was the right. screen. Right. So I think that's where the imagination uh, came from. In fact, I know that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone was, someone was being rescued from a boat, I had to have that in my mind, the water, the boat, the land, the rescue team. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes that's where we may have lost a piece of literacy because it's come back around now. Because if you have a handheld device like I have or a laptop, all you do is click and everything is laid. The graphics are laid out for you. Right. If you're reading, if you're reading, if you're listening to a radio show or reading a book with no uh, with no illustrations, your mind has to create it, you know, mm-hmm. and. That has a lot to do with how things have evolved uh, with technology. It's nobody's fault. It's just the way things are now. Just the right. way things are. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And and you know my my mom who runs our uh, nonprofit organization, Love Ministries. She still asks the kids to draw pictures. Yes. Um, for that yes. reason, to mm-hmm. to have them to use their imagination, and because she knows that they are. A lot of them are watching YouTube, you know, a lot. Right, and right. and so that's constantly showing them images, but she still wants them to use their brains to think of images right. that would go w- along with the story. So, mm-hmm. yes, I, I love that. And and I know, Dr. Linda, your books are also offered in Spanish. Yes. Um, and and I, as I said, that your the illustrations in the books are are multi-ethnic. So I can imagine that it's important to you to also have the books in Spanish, probably because you are, probably because your background as a teacher. Is that right? Yes. Yes. And I'm in Texas and, uh, and Mexico, Mexico is our neighbor. Right. And I have several Hispanic families that I'm very close to, been close to them for years. So, mm-hmm. um, um, I thought that it would be an injustice to do a book, especially about human interaction and not do something, not do something in Spanish. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So um, that seems to have gone over very well. Let me get back to my light here. That seems okay. to have gone over very well. But um, and that goes back to my uh, wish that every child, I wish every child in American public education could be literate in a second language by sixth grade. I think Mm. if you can have it, if you can get it down by sixth grade, it will make you more powerful, you know, as a citizen, as a worker, as an employee, Mm -hmm. as a business owner. Mm -hmm. You, your, your world, your world is not limited when you can speak more than one language. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. I agree. So let me ask you this because you are honestly, when I was preparing for this conversation, there's so much for me to read about you and, and you've accomplished so much. I believe it's all focused, um, you know, in, in, in the direction of, of helping others and helping children and sharing these stories and really 
sharing your wisdom and and your life experience, which is wonderful. But I'm, I'm wondering, what would you say to other people who are listening who want to write children's books? How, how, what kind of advice would you give people to be able to follow in your footsteps? What, what you have to do is decide on a, you decide on a theme. What is it that you like that moves you, that inspires you? And one of the things I had to do a lot of reading, Carla, because when you first start writing and you're independent, you have no idea what you're doing. You are lost, lost in space. You are lost. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a lot of writing and one of the best pieces of advice I saw online. And I would tell anybody, go online and read as many articles as you can on how to become an author, how to write a book, do workshops, do online training. If you need to write a book, Carla, for, for instance, on what you do now at the station, if you do one page per day. Mm-hmm. Now, listen to what I'm saying. One page per day. Not You don't have to grind it out like. What's my man's name? Walter Mosley. He writes a thousand words a day. There's nowhere in the world I can come up with a thousand words, <laughs> you know, words a day. That's a, that's that's heavy hitting. Mm-hmm. My brain is not like his. Um, one page per day. If you wrote a book on auto repair, at the end of the year, you have 365 page. You have a 365 page book. Mm-hmm. And you don't worry about editing. I tell everybody that because that's what I've learned. And you read that in every article. You write when it comes to if it's two o'clock in the morning and it hits you, you sit up in the bed and you, you keep a journal next to your bed in the car. Or you can even record on your phone. Go ahead and write it down. Get it down on paper, because if you don't, you'll lose the moment. And then you go back to your lap computer and you and you do it. Every, you can even buy a program now. And, you know, we know that's voice generated. If you don't feel like talking or if you're in a hurry, get those thoughts down on paper. But don't second guess yourself about how it looks and how it sounds. You edit later. You write now and you edit. You clean it up later. Mm-hmm. Join an author's group or writer's group in your community. If you don't have one local, join one online. Okay. Join a writer's group online. Join a training program online. Some of them are very expensive. Some of them are totally free, but you have to look for them. Read everything you can. Uh, there's a, my distributor, my my uh, publisher, Louis, uh, Louis McClain. Mm-hmm. He uses Ingram Spark uh, for printing. And I will tell anybody now, if you will write this down, Ingram, I-N-G-R-A-M, Spark. Go to that website. They have articles on everything on how to become an author. And the articles are free. Okay. But you have to be consistent. Don't run away from it. Don't let anybody tell you you don't know what you're doing. You do know what you're doing because it's your story. It's not theirs. Mm -hmm. It's not their story. Mm -hmm. But if you just write a little bit every day or maybe even every other day, just don't stop. But you need to be around people who think like you think who are trying to become authors, you need that support. Mm-hmm. That's why I say join a, join a group online or uh, join one in your community who may be meeting, you know, frequently, you know, infrequently now, but you need to be around other people who are, who are writing. That's, and that's they will, advice. they will give you, they will give you some good pointers and they will keep you from breaking down and walking away from it. Mm-hmm. Some people want to write a book in a month. 
and they think it's going to jump off the shelf. It's not going to do it. It can be the best book in the world, Mm -hmm. but you are not the only one out there that's writing. And like I told you earlier, we are also competing with celebrities. Mm -hmm. They go to two talk shows in the morning, maybe one one and one at night, and they walk away from it and the book jumps off the shelf. That's because they're already famous. Mm -hmm. You have to build your fan base as an independent author. It takes a while. You got to do Facebook. You have to do Instagram. I use an app called Ripple. Mm -hmm. You have to do everything that you can to build your, and it takes a while. People don't, first of all, people don't know who you are. Your book may be wonderful, but they don't know you. Mm -hmm. They don't know you. They know who James Patterson is, but they don't know you. So just be steadfast, stick with it, and get with a group of your kind that will give you the support that you need. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's that's great advice. I I put on my reminders on my phone. Um, so every day it sends me a reminder to write. Yes. And then yes. I have to click on my phone to click it and say, yes, I did do it mm-hmm. today. But it sends me a reminder every single day. And I, I like that because um, it oh, keeps it on my thing, mind. One more thing, Carl, I'm thinking about. If you are a Facebook person, and we all are, the people who want to become writers, start join, start becoming friends with children's authors and illustrators that you see online. Those people travel in the same circles. Right. You would be surprised what you'd learn if you join a children's, if you become a friend of a children's author or a children's, or excuse me, a children's illustrator on Facebook and follow them. Just see what they say. Look at the conferences that they go to. Look at their webinars. Some of them give, you know, all types of lessons, mm-hmm. incentives, bonuses. But you need to become, if you want to do children's, and if you want to do adult, that's a whole that's a whole new situation. That's mm-hmm. a different genre. Mm-hmm. If you want to become a contemporary fiction, there's one called urban fiction. That's the tough one at the top. It's raw, but it's out there. Okay. Uh, a lot of things are faith-based. A lot of them have to do uh, with domestic violence. A lot of that's being done now. Mm-hmm. But find a theme that works for you. It may be photography. You may want to do. You may want to do a cookbook. You may want to, and then you want to do a specialty cookbook. It may be a cookbook about pies, cakes. You may want to do um, a one on breads only. Mm-hmm. Bakery, but whatever it is that you like to do, you've got to find the people on Facebook that are following that same path, and then that'll that'll help you out. Okay, that is great advice. Mm-hmm. That's great mm-hmm. advice. Um, l- let me ask you this now. Your um, uh, well, let me ask you this: What can we expect next from you? Because I can imagine that your creative mind is already coming up with something else. Well, I have an activity book. Maxine's activity book is going to be released uh, probably within the next, I'm saying 30 days, but we all got behind because of right. The, right. this lady that came to town. So, uh, <laughs> Corona. So what we're trying to do now is play catch up. I'm working with a doer and I have to remind myself I'm not her only client. So she's working with other people too. Okay. But we're going to try to have the activity book finished uh, probably within the next 30 days. I have another book. It's already completed, but it, it hadn't gone. It hadn't gone to my publisher yet. Okay. It's called uh, Maxine, Maxine and Levita. Levita is a ladybug. Oh, 
So Maxine makes friends with a ladybug and things pick up from there. It's already done. It's on my lap computer, but I've got to wait until everybody settles down in the next week or two. And then we're going to put that out there probably another couple of months. Okay. And that will be not, that will be book four in the Maxine Hill series. Okay. So I know that if, if, if our um, parents are listening and they want to get a signed copy from you, they can go to uh, your Facebook page or your website. They can go to my website. If you will, um, if everyone, if everyone, anyone listening now, you too, Carla, just type in stationsforkids.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to order a book from me that is autographed, send it to Detective Maxine at gmail.com and I will send you an autographed copy of my book, Detective Maxine at gmail.com. Okay. But my um, website is stationsforkids.com. Okay. Just type that in, it'll pop up. I love that. I love that. I know so many people will want to get that as, as Christmas gifts. Well, Dr. Linda, thank you so much for joining us uh, for the first time on the Every Heart, Every Woman radio. And I hope that it, I truly hope that it won't be the last. Um, I've enjoyed our conversation today. Everyone, our radio show is a program of Love Ministries which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can go to loveministriesbuilds.org. You can get all the great information about Love Ministries. You can also go to my website, Carla, Carla is spelled with a K, carlanivens.com. Nivens is N-I-V-E-N-S. Everyone, we are so grateful that you joined in with us today and we pray that you will have a wonderful week. We'll get back with you next week. <music>